It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Well, it's great to be back for another podcast episode here on Beyond the Building. I'm Debbie Kiever and Laura Perrine is with me. And we have a special guest today, Tammy Holland, joining us. Uh, We've been focusing this month on this topic of identity. What a huge topic. And bottom line is we have established that our value, our worth, our purpose needs to be established by the creator of us. And so we've been talking about the challenge that comes in our lives when we are allowing our past or potentially uh, areas that we're strong in or weak in or allowing other people's opinions to define who we are. That's going to disappoint. It's like trying to build a house on really unstable ground. So this specific podcast, we have invited Tammy Holland to come and share with us specifically about ministering to folks who are coming in the that dark world of trafficking. Uh, how do you work that topic of identity in with a male or female who's coming from that background? So I'd like to share with you a little bit about uh, Tammy's background from her bio. She currently serves as the clinical counselor and clinical program director for Zoe Ministries Incorporated. Tammy's been involved in sex trafficking efforts since 2013. Her experiences include working with Wellspring Living in Georgia and Rahab Ministries in Ohio. She moved to Delaware in 2018 with her husband and her two sons. Sammy's education, Tammy's, Tammy's educational background, she has two master's degrees, one in college student personnel and the other in professional counseling. She's been trained and is certified in EGALA. Did I say that right, Tammy? EGALA? Yes, you sure did. This is a psychotherapy model where horses play an integral part uh, in the sessions. She also has a certification in trauma. Tammy has a deep desire to bring healing and hope to survivors of sex trafficking and to help prevent the vulnerable from being exploited. She believes that healing happens in healthy relationships, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Tammy, welcome. We are so thankful that you are here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am completely thrilled to be here with the two of you. I remember first meeting you both. Uh, I actually attended, I think it was about two and a half years ago, a women's conference that the two of you put on um, here in Delaware. And I remember the Lord spoke on my soul a little bit that day and said, there's something here for you meaning in with the two of you. So I don't know if you guys know that, but the Lord told me that that day at that conference. And shortly after Debbie, reached out to have lunch with me. We walked uh, Longwood Gardens. It was a beautiful day. Uh, we prayed together. We got to know each other. We connected on being moms of two boys. Um, some similarities and fun of both of our families. We enjoy boating, uh, things like that. And in and really just appreciated how you reached out and since then jumped into some Bible studies with Laura, some Bible study with you, Debbie, and and it's just so exciting to be here. It really is good to have you here, Tammy, and even reflecting on uh, when we first met, and it was through the Bible study, just the fact that you had just moved from Franklin, Tennessee 
to Delaware. And here I was, little did you know, God was already putting on my heart while I wasn't speaking it to many people that I was going to be leaving Wilmington, Delaware to go to Franklin, Tennessee. And then to sit down and have lunch. And it was just one of those moments because, you know, we all have them where uh, where are you where are you from? And you said Franklin, Tennessee, and everything inside of me just said, did she really say that? Like God just orders our steps. And it has been such a beautiful transition because of the things that you have done to prepare the way for me. So I want to thank you for that. Um, I'm also excited to be talking about identity in this uh, month here that we're we're in. And we always love to go back to the Word of God. That's our foundation. That's our source for the teaching, for the um, speaking that we do here on this podcast. And our key scripture that we are really learning to embrace on this journey of identity is found in the message translation in Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. And before we go on, I just want to remind us what this passage says. It is just huge. And honestly, this is one of those things we could read over and over again. It speaks so much life to our hearts. It says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and every one. That is so exciting, man. There's so much truth in there. The reality that we're living in, in this day and age, and honestly, it's just gone on for generations and generations, is that so many people are living lives in constant struggle or confusion because they have embraced someone else's definition of who they are. They have embraced someone else's idea of what their purpose is rather than going back to this verse and like Debbie opened up today with finding our identity, who we are and what our purpose is through and in the one who created us. I think as Christians, uh, sometimes you get caught in Christian lingo. You you say things um, because you know that's what you're supposed to say because it sounds right. It sounds like the right answer. But knowing how to walk it out is a different story. And so when we say that we need to embrace ourselves and who Christ has called us to be and finding his purpose for us, it's easy to say that, but then how do you walk it out, especially for a person who has really experienced abuse of any sort, uh, mental or emotional, physical or, or sexual abuse. And, and Tammy, that's really, really the reason why we asked you to come and share with us today because that is your wheelhouse. This is where God has called you. It's what you're passionate about. And so I, I'd like to actually ask you to start off framing some of the background of you Prior to um, this particular ministry that you're involved in now, where did God start to take you down this journey? Yeah, yeah. So I'll make it short and sweet. Um, I was raised Catholic. I uh, knew that I was saved. And in my adult life, I uh, was invited to a Bible study. We were living in North Carolina at the time, married, had two babies. And I came home and told my husband, that is not going to happen. Like, what are we going to do? Sit around and like read the Bible and pray out loud. And to see where I was then compared to now, I can tell you what God has done. He, he continually asked that woman to keep inviting me until I said yes. And she was so gracious and generous and, and, and gentle about it. And I fell in love with Jesus from, from that process, through getting to know him, from walking in a relationship with him, 
fast forward where now uh, we lived in many places. Um, but fast forward when we were in Tennessee, I remember being in a Bible study and Jesus said, I'm going to call you to something and it's going to be bigger than you're going to expect. But now is not the season. The season is to raise your babies right now. But something will something will come. I will call you into something. So then fast forward, um, he put the calling on my heart. I was doing um, volunteer work for at-risk youth. And he told me, um, I want you to go back to school to get a master's degree to become a professional counselor. I want you to have more tools in your toolbox to to really have um, more uh, meats to offer to those that need it. And so I had a moment where I had more than one moment where like Gideon, um, did you really ask me to, to do that, Lord? And he continually said yes. So I did. And it was a long process. It, I did one class at a time. And through that process, um, God put people around me that that spoke to me about the issues of sex trafficking. It, it came up in a prayer accountability group that I'm still involved with today. And one of the women in our intimate group, she now sits on the board uh, in Georgia for Rescuing Hope. And she started cheering and she told me that God put on her heart for me to have a conversation with um, Susan Norris. And there was the seed that planted this calling over my life to go into that direction. Um, through schooling, I, I was still in Georgia when I reached the point to do an internship and I did my internship at Wellspring Living uh, and just really worked one-on-one -on -one with those survivors and it's been my journey ever since. So your story is amazing and I love the fact that you started out at such a, I mean, it was really quite a long time ago where God put that on your heart and then to see the way that he ordered all of your steps even in all of these different places it's like he was ordering your steps physically and spiritually right at the same time in yeah. order to bring you to the place where you needed to be so we all met in Delaware you know God moves your family to Delaware and you I remember sitting down with you at the well and just talking about the fact that God had really put on your heart uh Zoe Ministries and that you were feeling led to really uh, become a part there. So what can you share with our listeners today about this ministry? You know, many of the people who do listen to this podcast do live in Delaware. So can you share what's going on in the state of Delaware right there with Zoe Ministries uh, that you have had the opportunity to be a part of? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Um, and I want to reference back to that conversation and that meeting that Debbie and I had at Longwood Gardens. And when I shared with her the background of, of trafficking, she pulled up her phone right there as we we're walking. And she's like, you need to know Yolanda Schleyball because she's a firecracker doing this work here in Delaware. And so, and so Debbie was very instrumental in God connecting me out to Yolanda. So, uh, so I did, I reached out to Yolanda and we had the very first conversation was no less than two hours. We were both in tears. Uh, it was two sisters in Christ finding each other as if we've known each other for so long. It was, it was amazing. And I just celebrated that. That felt like com complete joy on my heart. And, and I got involved with Zoe Ministries. And Zoe Ministries has been around since 2012 
when God put a very clear directive on the heart of Yolanda to establish a safe home in the state of Delaware for minor victims of sex trafficking. So to understand what that looks like, we know Delaware is so small. And however, if you even looked at it as a national level of sex trafficking, there are very few uh, facilities that offer wraparound services to minors of trafficking. Um, the last number I heard was less than like 150 beds nationwide. I'm telling you, like, this does not happen. So for God to put that directive on her heart and to come out of Delaware, you know, that's God, right? And it is so needed. So what Zoe Ministries, what she did single-handedly, pretty much for the first seven years, is she started meeting with legislation, legislators, senators, police departments, schools, nursing conferences, all of these touch points to uh, the intersection of these children and uh, who needs to be aware and who needs to be trained on what to look for. So she really uh, spent the first seven years bringing awareness. Uh, she was told over and over, thanks lady, go home. We don't have that problem here in Delaware. Mm -hmm. And we do have this problem here in Delaware. And so the first seven years, that's what it looked like now in the last year, uh, year and a half, we have grown into having a full staff. We're offering services. We offer uh, a, an amazing mentoring program where it's one trained mentor, one child at risk, male or female, and one horse. And it's a eight week program where these kids are seen one on one with their with their mentor, and they're reminded who they are. Mm. It's a lot about the identity piece, right? Who you are, how worthy you are. Uh, what the future is for you, right? These kinds of things uh, and building in, in, under uh, that healthy relationship, right? Um, so we're doing the mentoring program. We, we're doing training, um, power over predators. We are going into schools. COVID has really kind of, we're finding other ways around COVID to get training so that we can talk to the youth about these are the red flag indicators. Um, you know, we want your red flag to go up if something like this starts to shape in a relationship you have. Um, we are offer I'm offering clinical counseling to adult female survivors. We work hand in hand with Salvation Army um, to support their wraparound services because they do adult women. We're focusing on minors. And then the biggest, best news ever is last fall in September, we were able to purchase 27 acres and we are doing uh, getting licensing and moving forward to open it as a safe home for minors of sex trafficking. Praise T God. Tammy, I got a question for you because I've had people say Delaware is such a small state and it's mm -hmm. really not. Um, you think of the big cities, right, as being mm -hmm. the, the hubs mm -hmm. for trafficking. I remember Yolanda sharing with me about the corridor from New York to Philly. Could you like highlight a little bit about what you know about that? What makes Delaware yeah. a critical location? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is the corridor. And, and Polaris is kind of the national, um, they run the national hotline for trafficking. And you can go to Polaris's website and they will show you a heat map. It's on their website. And the heat map is of the United States. And the whole corridor 
is lit up red the whole corridor it, it over delaware we are bright red right because of the i-95 so uh it brings in so in in delaware's laws specifically have not been up to par until Yolanda really started getting involved. Now we have more people involved in all of that. But it's if, if you're gonna traffic a child, this is a pretty safe place to do it, or at least it was. And, and the awareness now that's coming is huge. But to your point, it is here in Delaware, it is the kids going on the school bus, it is the kids sitting in the pews at church, it is the family next to you out to lunch. It is, here in Delaware, no, no question. I'm sure that there are some listeners going, are you serious? You know, like really my neighborhood right around me, I have, you know, people right in front of me that are in the trafficking world. How can that be? So I had an experience just about two weeks ago, my family and I, we went to church and we go out for breakfast after. And one of my clients, is literally two booths over and it was so striking to me i know that story and she's with a male having her breakfast i know her story but to the world she's she looks just like you and me sitting there in that restaurant having breakfast that morning it, my point being it is so present wherever we go we are sharing space with people who are victims makes your mouth just want to drop doesn't it it really does i think one of the pieces i know that uh, zoe ministries has been influential in is educating people especially uh, the medical community you know what are some of the things you can look for in an er you know like there are definite certain signs um, in behavior or uh, identity, what a lack of identity that you can provide um, that trigger bells. But if you don't know about it or you have your head in a hole in the sand, like this isn't happening here, you'll miss it. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you about was in this topic of identity, there is, uh, it's scary how a trafficker steals the identity of their victim. Can you know where they they start to they erase their identity um, and now after a period of time what happens to that it's a oh, young female or a male because we know this is happening with men too how they how do they steal their identity and then how does that start to become the belief system of the one who's been trafficked where they no longer know who they are. Yeah, that's a great question because that is absolutely what happens. I, you know, we hear now on the radio, I hear it all the time, like identity theft, how to protect yourself from identity theft, right? Well, the enemy, Satan in the demonic kingdom is has been in the business of identity theft from the beginning. Identity theft is nothing new. Um, it's striking to me. So so the, the verbiage to let you know that people who are being trafficked, it's considered the life. That's what they call it. You're in the life. Okay. So people who go into the life who are, who are trapped into the life, they literally will take on a new name and a new identity. Um, not like by documents, but, but right. So you, you'll talk to women coming out of the life and they will say, my name in the life was um, Mila, 
or you know, they come up with a whole different name. And with that, they dissociate their original self and become Mila. Okay. So they literally take on a whole new identity. They have to for survival purposes. On top of that, the imprint of identity of who they are, of speaking about their value, their worth, their identity as God's child, that is taken away from them as also. And you have the trafficker continuously, very continuously, think about it as in a brainwashing way, telling them how worthless they are, how they're not worth anything, how nobody loves them, nobody will want them. Um, it, they'll constantly bring them down constantly to a very uh, a dark place of no self-worth at all. So, so they literally are dissociating from any healthy bits of their old self. They're literally dissociating from that, turning into a new person to literally survive what what happens to women and girls and boys and men in the life and at the same time their inner self-worth is eroding um and and they sink into a very 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 dark and desperate place it's shocking to listen to even what you're sharing tammy and of course we all go back to the word of god and we we started with uh, that ephesians 1 verse and just when when you come in with the truth and and telling people how worthy they are you know that god loves them what a what a different story from what they've been hearing all this time as they've been uh beaten down with these lies as their identity has been you know stolen but would you look at the the men and the women or the the young uh men and women that you encounter and would you say that the individuals who find themselves in a traffic situation already struggle? Do they come into this place already struggling with their identity, struggling with who they are and what their purpose is? Um, are there any common denominators really that come from their backgrounds? Do they struggle in the same way before the trafficker uh, approaches them, you know, before he enters their worlds? What, what do you see as um, some, I guess, red flags maybe with identity there before they are approached by the trafficker? Yeah, so you're exactly right. That's how it works. Um, just like in the spirit realm, the enemy preys upon our vulnerabilities. So in the physical realm, as we, it relates to the subject. So traffickers are master manipulators, and they prey upon the vulnerabilities of boys and girls. So um, you even think of the Jeffrey Epstein case, which kind of went public, and it kind of really opened some some eyes. You You saw that they drove across and went into the poor neighborhoods to say, hey, you want to make $200? And, the, and there it began. And you see that you he sent a, a person their same age to recruit, right? Um, so, so it's all about the vulnerabilities. Uh, kids who are on the street, the runaway kids, kids in the foster homes, they absolutely are at high risk. Kids who are economically um struggling they absolutely are at risk so these vulnerabilities um the traffickers know what what, what bus stops to go to make sure they're driving by constantly to see if there's a teenage kid sitting at a bus stop 
Um, they go to the malls. They are on the internet a lot. The, the internet recruiting is going up tremendously. And um, so so the red flags are definitely the, the, the indicators are, and the vulnerabilities are the way in. Another really big way in that was literally a shock to my system when I first learned about it, I couldn't, it really took me a while to wrap my mind around it, is that almost 30% is familial. So you have moms and dads who have drug um, issues. And so they start selling their child and they start trafficking their child for their drug money. And think about that. Or, and I'm gonna put this one in the same category. Think about, um, for, from an identity perspective, think about the child who's being sexually abused at home, which causes them to run away. From an identity standpoint, when it's your mother or your father, where you are, you are at, uh, you are receiving abuse from their hand, right at their hand. A child's ability to say and to think they're doing something bad to me that doesn't exist because mom and dad are their means to survival. So what they have to do to survive that is say it. It can't be mom and dad. It has to be me. I, I'm bad, right? Because these bad things are happening to me. If, if I, if as a child, I said, my dad is really bad. My dad is really unhealthy for me. My dad is really hurting me. In my brain, I can't allow myself to believe that because I need my dad to survive. So I internalize it and they say, it's me. I'm bad. I'm worthless. This is all I'm worth. Or if you literally have mom selling you, knowing it's happening, happening, and she is allowing it, what does that tell me about my worth? The one that's supposed to love me the most is choosing to do this. Therefore, I really am worthless. Mm. Wow. Wow. Right? And this happens, and it is it happens more than we would like to think it happens, but the the vulnerabilities that come from home really, really imprint unhealthy messages on our identity. And it really sets us up to be extremely vulnerable for a trafficker to come in, start doing some sweet talk, and they will be friends. And it will start as a no one loves you the way I love you. You're beautiful. You're all of these things. A lot of times there's a showering of gifts. Um, don't tell your mom or your dad about us, but I know you're old enough to handle a relationship where I'm 10 years older than you are. Hmm. Wow. You know, this real grooming of, I know you can handle it, um, but keep it secret. Uh, and then as it progresses, it becomes violent. A, a, a common coercion is to um, traffickers have their um, victims go perform or be part of an illegal act. A lot of times it's stealing. So they will they will demand that you go steal something and then they hold that over you or even worse. And they'll hold it over you. If you, you ever think about leaving, I'm going to tell those cops what you've done. Uh -huh. They will absolutely get to know who the victims, the, the inner workings of the victim's family and say, especially if it's a kid sister or older sister or brother, 
if you think you're going to run, I'm going to, I'm going to harm your little brother. Wow. And it holds him captive. And I've had, uh, in the jail ministry, um, these are not just empty threats. These things happen. One of the moms was in one of my classes and she pulled back her hair and she had a really big scar on her forehead. Her daughter was being trafficked and her trafficker said, if you try to leave, I will go and kill your mother. And he did attempt to kill her. Um, so it is because it's such a money-making industry. It's only number two to drugs. Drugs wow. is the only other money-making. It's a $32 billion industry in the United States. Wow. It's shocking. So, yeah. Traffickers know what they're doing. As I sit here and listen to you, and and I have heard you talk, I have met with Yolanda, and this is this is not coming out of the blue for me. I'm still sitting here, even forgetting what we're supposed to talk about next because I'm overwhelmed that this is right under our mm -hmm. nose, mm -hmm. and it's not talked about at all, really, in mm -hmm. most circles that we are running with. I don't think the church is really up to speed mm -hmm. on what's going on. And uh, so it's overwhelming. So even just listening to you, Tammy, I'm sitting here going, I feel like I just want to sit here for the next month and listen to you and be educated. Mm -hmm. But this is, I guess this is part of educating us, you know, and our listeners of what's out there because you can't turn your head to this. Once you mm -hmm. put something in the light, you have to do something about it. What you've heard, you can't, um, you can't just go back and live in a place of ignoring it, you know, that it's not here. I think our, so many of us, our bubbles, our worlds are very church-oriented, right? It's in the Christian world. And so I'm curious, of the boys and girls, the men and women that you are interacting with, we know, we're saying that the importance of getting your identity from your relationship with Christ is key. Your purpose is key there. What Do these people, do these folks know Jesus at all? Like, are there many Christians that you run across? I mean, you're painting some pictures that don't sound like they're coming from a background of faith. Because if we know that, that Jesus is the answer, um, is there any foundation there at all? And a question for you, because you your licensing doesn't, it's, you're not a pastor, so how do you deal with that? Like, you know the answer, but are you able to bring the answer of Jesus into every conversation? How does that work for you? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, the first thing is that, yeah, by being licensed ethically, I cannot use a session to proselytize. Um, in my spirit, I absolutely believe that the, the Jesus Christ himself is the biggest tool in our toolbox always, no matter what our issues are. I find that the clients that I um, have, the privilege of working with some total mixed bag. Some of them will be in tears, weeping that they know the only way that they've ever survived is because of Jesus Christ. I know he's saved. He has saved my life. I know that he has spared me. And this can be in, in the same conversation of the most horrific backstory that has so much trauma. That person can sit there and say, but for Jesus, I would not be here, right? And give him all the glory. And and then you do have people, I've got clients that do not believe there's there's a God because of what they have walked through. So it's a it's a very different mixed bag. Part of the intake that we do is uh, the question is 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 there, you know, a spiritual affiliation for you? 
Um, if they do mark that they're Christian, I'm gentle about walking through that door, but I definitely am able to, that door opens with just by that question. And uh, if, if not, um, the answer, I think whether it's licensed counseling or just in life in general, the answer to that is always meet them where they are and, and just shine the light over them, love them in a way that they feel so safe in your presence that they know there's, um, they can sit there and be honest. They can share, you can connect, you can have empathy. So it's in that relationship, um, whether I get to literally use Jesus's name in the, in the conversation or not, it's still showing up in a non-judgmental, very safe way to build that bridge of a relationship. That's always the first step. Hmm. I kind of wonder as you're speaking about this, even as you're uh, wanting to, you know, have this close relationship with these individuals that you're ministering to, uh, sometimes guilt and shame can be a, a, they are a wall, right? And it's hard to get through that guilt and shame when someone has gone through such a horrific experience like what we're talking about here today. So, you know, share about guilt and shame and and how that goes into feeling unworthy and how do you kind of break through those walls that people, they experience. It's a real thing in order to get to that place where you can hold them close and you can share more openly or deeply and they're open to hear it. Um, I love this. I love the whole topic of guilt and shame. Brene Brown covers this really well. I've, I've used her tools and uh, her teachings on it. So if anyone's interested to hear more, dig into her stuff. But she really separates out the two. And uh, shame says, uh, I am bad. It's the internalization. It's, it's the identity. It is, I don't feel like I'm worthy or even lovable. And um, guilt says it's behavior driven. It's not identity driven. Guilt says I've done something bad. And so as Christians, we know the remedy to guilt. That is a repentance, a turning, which is the turning of asking for the forgiveness, repenting, turning away from whatever that behavior was, and then accepting fully God's um God's forgiveness on that. So <clears throat> shame, when it becomes who you are, it, it, uh, it's like wearing a heavy coat with everything you're doing. And so the difference in, and I love how Brene Brown teaches on this. She's like, if you take a peach tree dish and you put um, shame in both petri dishes and you shine light on this peach tree dish and empathy it will dissipate. It cannot survive in those conditions. Mm, you mm. speak it, you talk about it. And when you do, you are received with no judgment, just love and empathy. It, shame cannot exist. If you put shame the same amount in this other peach tree dish and you keep it in secrecy, you hide it in the dark, right? And you just allow yourself to feel judged. It will, ex- you know, it will just, grow exponentially it thrives in that environment right so it is doing the work of creating that safe relationship and creating a space where they feel safe enough to speak their shame bring it out into the light and let it be received with empathy and love wow right and then you they work through it 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 doesn't become who they are anymore wow yeah 
Isn't wow. that good? Yeah, really so the is whole good. Yeah. Shame. So it is a it's a universal issue. Everybody carries some shame. It's what how how do we respond to it? You know, shame, our brain chemistry reacts to a shame thought equal to a trauma thought. It's held mm. in the brain the same way trauma is held into the brain. Mm. Wow. Right. So you can see how important the enemy wants to get in there and he wants to counterfeit that truth. And he, right, his whole goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And boy, when we hang on to that shame and we keep it hidden and in the dark, which is who our enemy is, right? He absolutely, identity theft is happening in that dark darkness and the isolation and it just grows. Wow. 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 Tammy, I just, um, I am so thankful listening to you share I'm so thankful that we met, right? I'm so thankful for the journey that God has taken you on. Um, I, I'm listening to your wisdom, and I know it's a mixture of the education and the experience and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I'm smiling because God planted a seed in your heart when your boys were little, and he said, it's for the future, but raise your boys Um, I did not know that about you. That resonates with me because in 98, he put a seed in my heart and he said, you raise your boys and the time is coming, right? But I'm watching what God has done in this journey in your own life and has positioned you at this point in your journey to be quite a voice, to be Mm -hmm. quite a person of impact. And I I just think of how many um, hearts that are so broken come into your presence and are loved on by Jesus. Whether you are allowed to say his name or not, you mm-hmm. are loving on these hearts. And, and I don't know that you'll ever really know till you get to heaven, the impact, you know, that uh, each one of these experiences has made in your life. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something really hard. I'm going to ask you to tell me the top three ways that we can pray for and support Zoe Ministries? Okay, so the very first way, Debbie, thanks for asking that question, that I would say is for, as a nation, as brothers and sisters in Christ, for us to be praying for God's children. We know Jesus has such a heart for the children. We need to put a covering of protection over them, especially with certain legislation coming um, out of our government right now, uh, as it even relates to abortion. I believe we need to be praying for our children. That would be number one. Number two is that I would love to see a bunch of prayers Um, go up that is an encouragement for the church to rise up. I believe that we need the voice of the church to step into these dark places. I believe that it's the church is the answer because Jesus is the answer. And I absolutely believe we need a revival. We need to be able to free ourselves to speak truth without having fear. And I believe that that voice needs to come from the church and the members of the church. So a a rising up within the church to face these issues face on, because the other piece to this is it, it turns our stomach out. It hurts us to hear that these things are happening to children. The other truth from God's perspective is that what we know by statistics is that men are the biggest buyer of, of sex, right? 
these men who are buying it, they are broken as well. They are still God's children. They're his sons. And the church needs to also be looking at the root issues, going in that direction as well, offering safe places for men to be honest to deal with their addictions. So so the second prayer would be covering all of that for the church to rise up in these dark places. Third prayer request, Debbie, would be for resources. And with resources, I'm talking about people resources and financial resources. We need boots on the ground, people who know um, who they are in Christ, uh, to love on these kids that we're offering the mentorship program to these kids that come from hard places that they, they need to be heard. They need to feel safe. And it's in that relationship that they grow and heal. So we need, we need people resources and we need financial resources, people who will commit to supporting us. Um, you can go to our website, Zoe, Z-O-E dash Delaware.org. Uh, you can find our upcoming events ways that if you wanted to be boots on the ground in other kinds of ways, we have, uh, an egg my yard, coming up that we are doing as a fundraiser. We have a trail ride. If you happen to own a horse and want to be part of a trail ride, we're doing it April 24th. And we have a thankful Thursday fundraiser we're having on June 8th. These are all events that you could participate in. Uh, You can find a lot more information on our web, but those would be the three top prayer requests that I would put out there. Tammy, I know that Deb, myself, and our listeners, we will be praying for these three requests that you have just shared. Uh, you have really brought to the light things that I know uh, I, I have not been made aware of before that these kinds of things are actually happening. We hear about sex trafficking. We hear about the industry. I hear it on the news and and I've heard people speak about it, but to hear it so personalized and then to see the deep uh, need and the cry of these boys and girls and individuals' lives, their hearts, and how Jesus really is the key to all these things. I know that's just going to be on my prayer list. So thank you for sharing today. I know that um, we have been really informed, and I feel we have a better understanding of how to pray, how to respond, and really just you being here and sharing all of these things has been a wonderful, wonderful blessing to us as far as getting the word out on what is going on in the dark places that needs to be exposed to the light. So people are set free in their identity, their purpose, that they find it in Jesus Christ, right? The only place, like Ephesians 1 says, where we're going to find who we really are. So we want to thank you, Deb and myself. We want to thank you for being here today. We're grateful that God brought us all together back in Delaware, you know, at that season. And it's just amazing to see how God continues to stretch and reach through each one of us, all of us, our listeners, ourselves included, how he is doing his work to build his kingdom in the places where he positions his children. So if you have uh, listened to this episode today and you have really uh, just had, God has put something on your heart that has sparked a deeper desire to know more, you can go to Zoe Ministries' uh, website and find out more information about what God is doing through there. If you have a question you'd like to address, Deb or myself, you can go to our uh, website. You can also write to us at beyondwomensconference at gmail.com, and we can always point you in the right direction um, if you want some more information about this topic. But let's all really just commit to praying for these places that we may not have been aware of in the past. Um, But for today, it's uh, my name is Laura, Debbie, and then Tammy. We all want to thank you for being a part 
of this ministry. Thank you for being here with us today. We look forward to talking to you again as this month, May, we are continuing to talk about our series on identity. God bless you, and we will talk to you again next week. Take care. And thank you, Tammy, for being with us. Thanks for having me. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that He has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more.